TED Audio Collective. Discussions about climate are everywhere. At Columbia University, we opened a new climate school for people interested in studying and tackling the societal and environmental issues caused by climate change. Around the globe, there are so many conferences organized, providing spaces for people to discuss the latest information and findings related to climate change. The United Nations even has an annual forum on the topic. And although it's not even my area of expertise, I've begun conducting research that attempts to help people see the severity of these climate issues and engage in more sustainable practices. The extent to which we're focused on this topic mirrors the attention we've given to other pressing problems, like poverty, human rights, and gender inequality. We often think of each of these global challenges separately, but could they be interconnected? I'm Madhupak Enola. This is TED Business. Our speaker today is Zineb Skali, a managing director and partner at Boston Consulting Group, a global consulting firm. In this talk, Zineb explains how looking at climate action through a gender-neutral lens allows underlying biases to sneak in and negatively impact women. Using Austria's Gender Equal Urban Planning Program as a model, she offers up a few solutions that address both sustainability and gender equality at the same time. Then after the talk, I'll share other ways in which not taking women's perspectives into account can negatively impact the workplace. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. 
Support for this show comes from Economist Education. TED Business listeners know we've discussed how businesses can drive solutions to social problems, which requires understanding and presenting your data effectively. And Economist Education has a new course on data storytelling and visualization. Economist Education provides online executive education courses that last about two to six weeks. They're designed to empower business professionals to thrive. It covers everything from international relations, sustainability, critical thinking, and more. The courses feature senior editors from The Economist and invited experts who share their insights. Economist Education is a great way to stay ahead in your career, and I have a special offer to get you started. Get 15% off any course from Economist Education, only available by going to my exclusive URL, education.economist.com slash TEDBusiness. Enter our promo code TEDBusiness at registration. This offer ends on March 31st. Don't wait for 15% off. Go now to education.economist.com slash TEDBusiness and use promo code TEDBusiness at registration. What if our efforts to build a better planet benefited half of this room more? What if we reduced our emissions but increased the gap between men and women? What if by 2050 we reached net zero but women had a lower chance than men to find a decent job? Disturbing, right? And yet, this is exactly what my colleagues and I found while studying the links between women and climate over the last years. Our research has shown that climate action as it is unfolding, could set gender equality back by 15 years. I'm going to say that again. So climate action, not climate change, climate action, meaning all the efforts that are being made to reduce our emissions, to adapt our lives to a warmer planet, could actually set gender equality back by 15 years. I know what you must be thinking. This is a total bus kill. <laughs> So the climate challenge is not big enough. You're adding solving gender equality to the equation. I get the feeling. But the good news is, if we do it right, we have a unique chance to advance both the climate agenda and gender equality. How? By being intentional about it. But first, let's go back to that 15-year setback risk I mentioned. I give it to you, it's counterintuitive to say that climate action that aims at building a more viable future to all of us could actually have a negative impact on gender equality. So let me explain. Obviously, women, as well as men, women even more than men, will benefit from living in a more sustainable planet. Their health, their education, their livelihoods will improve. But what I'm saying is that there is also a risk that women might miss out on the green economy's massive investments and job opportunities. And here are two examples of that. By 2030, 65 million green jobs will be created. The highest paid, more stable ones will require what's called STEM education, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Today, women represent 35% of STEM students globally so they might be less qualified to access these green jobs. Second example, by 2030, companies in highly emitting sectors such as energy, building materials, industrial goods, will be spending as much as $500 billion to train their employees in new green skills. 
Now, these industries are historically male-dominated, so mechanically, women are less likely to participate in these retrainings, widening the skill gap between men and women, again, in accessing the jobs of the future. So see, the risk is real. Women might miss out on these opportunities and investments, or at least miss out on part of them, even if this wasn't the initial intent. So what is it that we need to do to have a climate action that solves these two major challenges at the same time, gender equality and sustainability? Well, we need to do something that seems very simple, yet very often overlooked. When investing in green projects, when developing green products, crafting green legislations, we need to make sure that women, as well as men, will equally benefit. Not more, not less, just equally. Might seem obvious. You might even think, isn't that what we're already doing? But history has showed us that time and time again, even though this is what we think we're doing, this is not what is actually happening. At least not naturally, organically, not without an explicit intent. So we need to take this intent into climate action. We need to naturally, systematically, intentionally embed what you could call a gender lens in all of the green economies, investments, projects and legislations. And I am not just talking about projects targeting women or funds dedicated to women or a gender day in climate negotiations. I am talking about gender as an intentional forethought in every green project, every green investment, every green legislation. Let's take an example. Green cities. Green cities are a great illustration of how we could integrate this gender lens and have climate action boost gender equality instead of setting it back. From Chicago to Shanghai, from Copenhagen to Rio, most large cities have ambitious programs to become greener. Two trillion dollars will have to be spent every year for the next 20 years to upgrade urban infrastructure and make it more sustainable. And this covers housing, energy, um, safety, public transportation, green spaces, you name it. With the right approach, these cities can become greener and more inclusive of women. Now, greener, they sort of know how to do that. They have already initiated multiple projects and there is already a lot of research in that field. But becoming more inclusive of women, we hear less about that. This is less documented. And yet, there is a great story that can serve as an inspiration. This story takes place in the beautiful city of Vienna in Austria. In the 90s, planning officials in Vienna realized that women were less satisfied with transportation systems than men because these systems are designed for people going between home and work, between suburbs and city centers, at mostly set times. But women, although they make up the majority of public transportation users, women's trips are nothing like that. They are much more fragmented, they are much shorter, 
They require multiple transportation modes and they don't necessarily happen during rush hour. All of this because women combine their work trips with their domestic and caregiving responsibilities. And this transportation is a major factor when it comes to women's labor and participation to the economy. They also noticed something else. Before the age of nine, boys and girls would equally go to parks. But when girls reach the age of nine, something strange happens. They almost disappeared from public parks. So they did some research and they confirmed that no, it's not that all of a sudden when girls turn nine, they no longer are interested in public parks. It's again because of the way these parks are designed. With their single large open space and multiple football cages, boys feel welcomed, girls feel they need to compete for space. So, so they just stopped going there. So bottom line, through these two examples and many more, they realized that the gender-neutral approach that the city had and that most cities in the world have, this gender-neutral approach can actually be a women-blind one. So they decided to intentionally design a gender-equal urban planning program. So they surveyed men and women to better understand the way they live in the city. They brought in female architects and urban planners to participate alongside their male colleagues to participate to the city's redesign. They added gender assessment in social housing and infrastructure contracts. So see, just like that, in every step or every step was made with the intention, the explicit intention to make sure that women will benefit as well as men. Again, not more, not less, as well as men. So in parks, they have added footpaths to divide up space. They have integrated um, a wider range of activities, such as volleyball. And just like that, teenage girls came back to parks. And this has benefited teenage girls, but not only them. Every year since 2009, except for COVID years, Vienna has been named the best city in the world to live in. Now, it's not just the gendered approach, but it clearly contributed because for the first time, the specific needs of the other half of the population were taken into account. Now, what does Vienna's story tell us? It tells us that if we want women to benefit from a green city project, from an urbanism project, or from any project. It needs intention. And intention means at least these three ingredients. Upfront, understanding women's specific needs, even if the project is not specifically targeting women, involving women in the design of the project, and specifically measuring the impact of the project on women to be able to adjust if necessary. So this way, with this approach, we could correct the biases that are behind the gender-neutral urban planning programs that exist everywhere. And we could duplicate Vienna's intentional experience in every green city. And I left the best part for the end. When involved in urban planning, women proved to be active agents of sustainability. Statistically, 
the most sustainable cities are also the ones with the highest representation of women in policymaking and leadership positions. So this gendered approach will not only make green cities more inclusive of women, it will also make them greener. Treating women exactly like men, as I have heard multiple times from policymakers and leaders, is not what will get us to gender equality because it turns a blind eye to the biases that we all have. And it tends to perpetuate pre-existing inequalities and could even be widening them. Urbanism is just one example of how the green economy will revolutionize the way we move, work, eat, If we intentionally embed a gender lens in the way we will sustainably rebuild, rethink all of these aspects, we can advance gender equality at the same time. And this will in turn have a positive impact on the planet. See, we can save the world all at once after all. Thank you. If there's a surefire way to wake up feeling fresh after a night of enjoying alcohol, it's with Zbiotics. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works: When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to zbiotics.com/tedbusiness to get 15% off your first order when you use tedbusiness at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com/tedbusiness and use the code tedbusiness at checkout for 15% off. Thank you Zbiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Tired of unnecessary payroll errors and the problems they bring? Like employees missing bills because of shorted paychecks, managers taking the heat from angry employees about those shorted paychecks, HR and payroll teams clocking late hours to correct timesheets, expense mistakes, missing overtime, and sick days—all of that is so unnecessary. Pump the brakes on payroll errors for good by putting employees in the driver's seat. With Paycom's Betty, employees do their own payroll. Betty identifies errors and guides employees to fix them before submission, right in the app. Because no one can afford for payroll to be wrong, and who knows when their pay is wrong or right better than employees. So why not let them fix payroll problems before they become problems? When you get payroll precision every time, unnecessary payroll hassles become, well, unnecessary. Manage the process to make payday right for everyone with Paycom. Learn more at paycom.com/soundrise. That's paycom.com/soundrise. A piece of what Zineb is saying 
is that we need more women in these decision-making contexts, which means we need more women in our organizations. Zinnab shared a few examples of design decisions that affected women, but there's so many others. The first that comes to my mind is bathroom access for women professors at Columbia Business School. When I first arrived, a key was needed for the women's bathroom, not for the men's. I never quite questioned this until one day that key was missing and we were in a tough place. Not only that, but when women visitors would come, they'd need to awkwardly ask for the key when they needed a bio break. It felt pretty ridiculous. So I went on a campaign to remove the lock from the door. I asked all the women in my department how they felt about the prospect of removing the lock. Most were supportive, except those who were around when the lock was initially put in place, in the 70s, after an incident. But let's not forget that in the 70s, there were also very few women at business schools, so they might not have had much of a say in the bathroom locking situation. This suggests that a policy created to protect women, primarily decided upon by men, was put in place and never challenged until 40-plus years later, when more women were in the fold. And given the context, having women in the decision-making process for this change led to a simple solution. A keypad. Brilliant! Or more so, a basic idea that only emerged when there was power in numbers. So are there any established practices in your organization where a woman's perspective would be mighty helpful? And are there even enough women whose perspectives you can seek to ensure various voices are heard in changing those practices? I really hope so, because by broadening your lens to ensure that what's good for men is also good for women can truly transform the way women experience your workplace. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Kiara Powell and Brittany Brown and fact-checked by Matias Salas. Special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hajim, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhu Bakanola. Talk to you again next week.